This is a marketing communication. Please refer to the key information document or KID before making any final investment decisions. Investing involves risk. The value of an investment and the income from it may fall as well as rise and investors might not get back the full amount invested. Past performance does not predict future returns. The mention of any particular security or strategy should not be considered as a recommendation. For further information on the Alliance Technology Trust, please go to www.alliancetechnologytrust.com. Hello and welcome to Silicon Valley Bite Size, an update on the technology sector from the Alliance Technology Trust. I'm Cherry Reynard. Regular listeners will be familiar with the trust, but for anyone else, ATT invests in quoted technology companies across the globe with the aim of achieving long-term capital growth. Since 2007, the trust has been managed by the experienced team based in Silicon Valley, the epicenter of the world's technology industry. For our latest episode of Bite Size, I'm joined by Walter Price and Mike Seidenberg, fund managers on the trust, to talk us through the key developments in the technology sector and share their insights. Hi, Walter. Hi, Mike. Hi. Great to see you. Now, unfortunately, we we probably need to start today's episode by talking about the situation in Ukraine. Um, Walter, perhaps, perhaps you could kick us off by talking generally about how you see this affecting the technology sector. Uh, sure. Thanks, Jerry. Um, well, we, we had a big tech conference last week in San Francisco, and we, we talked to uh, probably 30 30 or 40 different uh, company management teams. And in parsing through the, the inputs of, you know, I, I think there's some near-term effects on the supply chain. The supply chain was already uh, experiencing difficulties. And I think, uh, you know, there are difficulties associated with suppliers of neon gas, for example, from Ukraine. I, I think uh, you know it's a difficult supply chain. It's uh, it's not getting any easier, but it's not getting a lot dif- a lot more difficult. So I think companies generally are coping pretty well with a difficult supply chain. And uh, but we have seen uh, you know two days ago Tesla, for example, raised prices on their cars by five thousand dollars. So the cost of materials, the cost of oil is kind of flowing through into the supply chain and. Companies are responding by, uh, you know, if they have strong demand, uh, as as we've seen with EVs, uh, they've been able to pass those costs on. And I think most companies are looking at passing those costs on if they, if they have good pricing power. Uh, some companies um, may uh, absorb some of those costs. So, you know, it's uh, you know it's a question of whether you have pricing power or not. I think most of the tech companies seem to have uh, pricing power. Uh, with respect to demand, I think uh, the closer you are to the conflict, the more issues there are with demand. So in the U.S., I don't think we've had much of an impact on uh, demand for advertising or for uh, tech products. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, if, if you're in the EV business, you know, demand is very strong. If you're in that supply chain, demand is very strong. Uh, you know, I think... It, some of the European operations of U.S. companies uh, are are seeing some hesitation in their business. Uh, so I, I would expect that uh, at the margin you may see uh, close rates or advertising rates uh, 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 trimmed a little bit in the first quarter. 
uh, you know, we're at the end of the first quarter, but it wouldn't surprise me to see some effect on end, end demand um, and close rates in some of our companies. So, uh, you know, we're, we're monitoring that, we're, uh, you know, we're adjusting the portfolio, but uh, in general, I think uh, if you're in the, uh, if you're in the transformation or, or cyber business, your business is actually holding up quite well and, and quite strong. If you're in the advertising or you have a quick cycle uh, software products, uh, there may be some impact on your European business. And the other thing I would just add to Walter's comments, uh, and he alluded to it a little, is, you know, just for these, for companies making a digital transformation, that really is a multi-year process. So, you know, barring some, you know, massive macroeconomic event of which this conflict is probably not there today. Um, you know, those companies need to continue the progression uh, as they migrate from legacy to cloud and, and move to digital. So I would just add that. Mike, Walter mentioned um, cybersecurity there. Now that really seems to be in the kind of the headlights of this this crisis. You know, the, the cyber war started a long time before the, before the first bomb was dropped. I mean, how, has it really, has it focused attention on cybersecurity? Has it been, you know, a catalyst for some of the some of the companies in the sector? Yeah, I mean, here again, unfortunately, I think it, you know, it, it brings it to the forefront for many organizations, um, just how prevalent cyber warfare is and just how kind of what, a mo- what the modality means in today's world. Look, we've been talking about not only awareness at, at a CEO level, but also at a board level. I, I may have my facts off just a little bit. I think Palo Alto threw out a stat on their last comp- company call where I think 40% of boards will have committees by 2025 just around cybersecurity. Look, that is a drumbeat that, that has been loud, that continues to get louder. And in our approach to it, as it becomes more relevant, is really to think of it as a layered approach, right? As companies needing to look at multiple layers of security to protect themselves. And I think Walt had a great conversation or had a conversation that, you know, the, the financial institutions are very concerned given um what they may feel is a retaliatory action vis-a-vis Russia um, by actually trying to kind of, you know, shut down, you know, potentially shut down the systems. Now that hasn't come to fruition and these companies have, you know, very robust security systems, but I think that just kind of shows you the playing field that is prevalent today um, and why cybersecurity just remains just a robust spend environment uh, for the companies, just kind of, it's it's just a necessary uh, necessary spend. I don't know, Walt, did you have anything else to add on it? Or? Yeah, I mean, we've talked to two CEOs uh, in the last two weeks uh, that have said specifically that they've been asked to help the Ukrainian institutions that were under cyber attack uh, with additional equipment and additional product. Um, and uh, just a few days ago, uh, the U.S. government uh, put put forth an initiative for institutions and uh, infrastructure companies uh, to get uh, additional cybersecurity products to protect their networks from potential attacks. So, you know, I I, I think outside of Ukraine, it's a fear right now. um, And we are seeing additional uh, cyber attacks associated with 
uh, the log4j vulnerability that was uh, discussed at the end of uh, last year. So, uh, you know, hackers are exploiting that uh, vulnerability in a number of networks and they're seeing activity associated with that. But I think the the attacks by uh, governments against institutions, uh, that hasn't happened except in Ukraine, but everybody's worried that that's a phase two impact that could be coming. And Walter, what about um, payment systems? I mean, they, they've been in the news because of because of the sanctions imposed on Russia. I mean, again, have you seen any impact um, on the companies you hold? Well, I think the protection of payment systems, of infrastructure systems like electric networks uh, or banking networks, I mean, th- those are all things that uh, people are worried about and trying to reinforce. And you know, governments, U.S. government is concerned about it. European governments are concerned about it. So it uh, hasn't happened yet, but uh, people are worried about it. And, uh, you know, we have seen past vulnerabilities exposed there. So, um, you know, I think that you're going to continue to see governments uh, imposing more uh, requirements on those institutions to make sure that, you know, they have the latest technology installed. What about the the impact on the sort of broader global economy in 2022. I mean, things have been looking quite good. And and then this kind of, um, you know, has has really disrupted that. I mean, can you see an impact, A, on the economy and B, on, on perhaps on, inter- on the interest rate trajectory? Um, Walter, I'll put that to you first. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a really good point about uh, interest rates, because I think, uh, the economy was viewed as very hot and uh, inflation very high, and therefore uh, everyone was expecting interest rates to go up dramatically um, uh, from the U.S. Fed as well as other government agencies around the world. And and I think with this concern about uh, 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 the conflict in Ukraine as well as uh, just a concern about uh, valuation. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of pressure on the high valuation companies, and, and many of those stocks are down, uh, you know, more than 50% in the last six months. And so I think that has an impact on the wealth of investors, and that has an impact on their spending. And so uh, now we're, we're starting to see commentary about, you know, make sure, let's make sure the Fed doesn't go too fast in this interest rate raising process. And so I, I, I think the idea that the Fed was going to raise rates, uh, you know, dramatically and uh, try to slow down the economy. Now there's a concern that the economy is already slowing down. Uh, we're seeing purchasing manager indications that, you know, that there's some concern about demand. And I, I think that uh, we're seeing glimmers that maybe the interest rate hikes aren't going to have to be so draconian to slow down the economy and get inflation under control. And I. I think that's definitely a positive for some of the high valuation companies and for the stock market in general. So, uh, you know, obviously we're right at the beginning of interest rate hikes, so it's a little premature to say they're going to end. But, uh, you know, I think the the required hikes may be less than people were afraid of, and therefore uh, the fear that's been depressing the valuation of some of these high growth companies. you know, we may be in sight of seeing that uh, that dissipate. The other thing I would add, Cherry, is, you know, this is a tail risk with respect to the Ukrainian conflict um, that, that, that none of us really had factored in, right? As we were 
exiting, you know, 21 and hearing about this, I think, you know, most people uh, assumed you'd get some sort of uh, resolution kind of given, you know, to, you know, first world countries, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, this is now, um, this tail risk is, is obviously, you know, increased significantly. Um, and that really changes kind of how you think about, you know, um, you know, robust economies, what it means, you know, or, you know, depending, you know, on the duration, kind of what it means to consumer sentiment and consumer psyche. So I think Walt brings up good points. Mike, do you have a sense of what that will do to corporate earnings? Are you still reasonably optimistic for the year ahead? Yeah, I think we've been pretty clear that we thought 2022 was a harder year for corporate earnings in general as you know, you know, look, the economy has been running hot. Your your inputs across the board have increased, whether I'm a software company fighting for developer talent or whether I'm a semiconductor company, you know, who needs to power my facility vis-a-vis, you know, some derivative off of oil. I think the input costs have continued to have it. You know, we thought 2022 was going to be a more expensive year at the margin for our companies. And, and I think that that remains the case. Um, uh, so I think, you know, we kind of thought of it, we thought of it in terms of less robust earnings growth for, for some companies. Look, I think we also kind of entered the year thinking that this would be much more of a stock pickers market, as opposed to kind of a a rising tide lifts all ships, which we saw, you know, throughout part of the COVID, COVID, uh, during the pandemic. So I think we were, we were already kind of focusing on companies that we thought, you know, had reasonable valuations and solved a difficult problem, as opposed to just a broad, broad based spending across all of IT. I wonder if we can look at performance now. I mean, clearly markets have been all over the place over the past few weeks. Um, but Walter, is, is there anything you can draw out about how the technology sectors sort of performed over the quarter? You know, any any notable sort of highs or lows or winners or losers? Well, I think we've been a, we've we've seen a retreat to uh, to safety, and that means the mega cap stocks have done better than other technology stocks. Um, I think the high growth stocks have uh, continued to be under pressure. So uh, you know, we've we've modestly underperformed the indices, and the indices have, have modestly under perform the broader market, uh, technologies modestly underperform. You know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously commodity stocks and, uh, you know, oil and uh, uh, some of the other uh, metals related stocks have done particularly well in this environment because earnings look like they're gonna be much better than expected. But I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, those, those trends are, uh, are stabilizing as we look out at uh, the balance of 2022, because, uh, you know, as Mike pointed out, uh, you know, the demand uh, for, uh, you know, if I think about our semiconductor portfolio, the demand for for climate change initiatives, uh, you know, the timing is now, it's not tomorrow. So uh, you haven't seen governments back off on their initiatives. In fact, if anything, they've been accelerating their initiatives with the higher oil price to to move to EVs and to move to uh, you know a cleaner environment uh, and, and uh, 
generating energy for their economies. And so, uh, you know, the companies in that supply chain, you know, they're sold out and their business outlook is quite good and continues to be quite good. Um, you know, I, I, I think with respect to digital transformation companies, again, their outlook is quite good. Their, their demand is quite strong. And, you know, you're, you're a year and a half into this three or four year journey to transform your business. You're, you're not stopping in the middle. You're going to keep going forward. So, um, you know, I think the demand, uh, the man side should be strong in a period when, you know, I think, uh, you know, some of the demand associated with, uh, uh, the economy is is going to cool down, and so uh, I think some sectors of tech look like they're particularly well positioned for the next couple of years, and that's where we're that's where we're positioning our portfolio. Walter, you mentioned the the, the mega caps there. That, you know, they seem to have become the kind of go to defensive sector, um, but the trust is obviously still overweight more in the larger mid caps. Can you just talk about the reasoning? for that yeah i i think that the um you know the this period in 2020 and 2021 you saw the mega cap companies benefit from uh you know many of them are advertising related uh you know technology uh cycles uh with consumers were very strong for companies uh like apple uh you know microsoft obviously is benefiting from this movement to the cloud so uh you know there were very strong tailwinds for these companies. I, you know, I think they're facing some headwinds now. Uh, um, you know, more, more government scrutiny. Uh, you know, a more, a more questionable advertising outlook as we look forward in in uh, 2022 and 2023. And you know, consumers. Uh, you know, a lot of consumers are under more pressure with higher oil prices and with uh, concerns about their wealth uh, from their their stock portfolios. So. I think some of the tailwinds are turning into headwinds uh, for these mega companies. Whereas, I think in the you know in the large cap companies uh, where we're exposed, uh, you know, I think that we think that these companies can grow through this period of time, and their valuations are quite reasonable relative to the mega cap companies. Uh, so you have uh, good valuations, and you have good a good fundamental outlook. So we think that. The chances of a large company being able to do well and appreciate strongly in this environment are higher than uh, for uh, you know just buying an index or just buying mega cap companies. Okay, and then just finally on on this segment, Mike, um, where where do you see valuations today? I mean, obviously they they've come down a little bit, certainly relative in the recent route. Um, you know, has that presented some opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, here again, at the end of the day, we really think in terms of risk reward for when we're buying, you know, buying stocks. So I, I think we've seen them pull back. Um, look, we've also seen some companies struggle, right? And I think, you know, Walter and I have the tenure of having kind of invested through multiple cycles, not just kind of, uh, you know, go-go days for on the company side. So I think that, you know, some of these management teams are going to be tested. Um, I think here again, you know, we try to focus on companies whose products or services solve difficult problems that are kind of in, in the budgetary spend, you know, kind of bullseye. Um, you know, those valuations have come back. Um, 
we've, you know, in some cases we've added to the positions and, and in others where maybe it was a less developed company uh, that maybe started to have some execution challenges, you know, we, we've exited the position. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, even though we are bottoms up fundamental investors, the macro matters, right? And and we think a lot about the environment that our companies have to execute in, um, whether that's a selling environment, a hiring environment, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's that mosaic that we try to create to, to kind of get us to the portfolio that we want to own. And, and you, know, you know, even though valuations have come back, you know, a lot of these companies aren't historically cheap. But, you know, some of them are right in the wheelhouse of two to three year spend cycles as companies move on a variety of vectors that we've alluded to on this call. So I think those are the ones we're probably more likely to kind of, you know, add to. Um, but, you know, I do think it's a, I do think it's a t- it's a tougher environment, as Walter alluded to. Um, and that, you know, that'll challenge some companies for sure. OK, great. And um perhaps we can kind of zoom in on the on the trust now and Walter are there any kind of notable investment changes you've made over the quarter anything you'd highlight well I'd say as Mike alluded to in the high growth sector of our portfolio we've uh, you know we've refocused on the companies that we think are uh, doing well and should do well for the next couple of years and have uh, a commitment to profitability uh, going forward so um, you, you might say we've circled the wagons around our, uh, you know, our go-to growth companies. Uh, on the uh, on the value side of the portfolio, uh, which is primarily semiconductors and uh, and some, uh, you know, some industrial uh, companies. Uh, there, you know, that's a large part of our portfolio. We think those companies are going to have, you know, wonderful earnings growth in 2022 and 2023, and so. Uh, you know, we feel and, you know, the valuation is is good for those companies. Uh, many of those stocks have also corrected, uh, but uh, outlook for good earnings growth and good valuation support. And, uh, you know, many of these companies are returning uh, cash to shareholders in the form of stock buybacks or raising their dividends. Uh, you know, that's, you know, that's a sweet spot of the portfolio right now. Thanks. And, and Mike, you, you talked earlier about things like cybersecurity, digitization, or, or those sort of long-term trends that you've identified. Um, in general, are those playing out as you expected or have that, you know, have it, has it been disrupted by the, the sort of the difficult conditions we've, we find ourselves in? I mean, thus far, they continue to play out here again. You know, these are not one quarter trends or one 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 quarter um, uh, theses. They're they're, they're multi-year. They've played out. I mean, I think that, you know, just think about for everyone on this podcast today, just kind of how their lives have changed vis-a-vis the the use of technology, especially uh, kind of since the pandemic started and kind of where we are now. Uh, look, I think you're just seeing a proliferation of use cases for a lot of these products. Um, you know, that coupled with, uh, as Walter alluded to, you know, shortages, you know, for, for products, uh, you know, I think, you know, th- I think thematically things are moving in the right direction. I think we're going to have to step fairly judiciously as we just kind of think about, you know, can companies get supplies? You know, can they get people? All of those things that that, that they're grappling with. Um, but I, you know, 
here again, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these themes uh, started, you know, year, uh, years ago and continue to persist. Um, so no change there. Um, just kind of thinking, you know, just kind of how, how companies executed is the, is the key driver uh, from here, in my opinion. Um, and, and I'd say, you know, and we alluded to this earlier on the call, you know, unfortunately, cybersecurity continues to be a, a larger and larger issue that's really been brought to the forefront. So, um, you know, that's something that isn't going away. Great. And then just to finish, and I, again, if I could put this question to both of you, um, are there any, I mean, you're, you're there, you're you're in the heart of things in, in Silicon Valley. Um, is there anything sort of new or exciting you're, you're kind of picking up? Um, Walt, I'll put that to you first. Well, I, I, you know, I've been saying for a while that this is kind of the golden age of technology because, uh, you know, we do have a labor shortage. Uh, it, it, it's going to lead to uh, people looking for solutions uh, from technology to make their companies more efficient and uh, to make their economies uh, transition to a cleaner and a more sustainable environment. And I think technology is in the middle of, of uh, the, all of those solutions. And so... I, I just think it's a period when, uh, you know, there are just so many opportunities for technology to improve productivity and to uh, uh, help with a labor shortage and help with a, making economies more efficient and more sustainable. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a great period uh, to find companies that can grow uh, more than the economy for a long period of time. Great. And, and Mike, anything, any conclusions from you? No, I mean, just only, you know, I think it's someone who's invested in the space for more than 20 years. It, it is, you know, I find myself amazed at, at, at the solutions these companies are, are are creating. And, you know, if you just think about, you know, I often, Walter and I often joke and say that, you know, software developers are the rock stars of today's generation. And you're just seeing pretty, you know, just just a, a whole new generation of products to make those, that constituency more productive, make their jobs easier, make it easier for, you know, those people to, to kind of, you know, uh, sorry, execute on, you know, getting their products to market quicker and quicker. Um, and I think everybody wins in that scenario, right? Products get innovated quicker, they're more, the, their jobs become more efficient, and we, the consumer, whether that's a B2B consumer or a B2C consumer, we win because it makes it takes out friction of doing business, right? Uh, and that's what everybody wants, right? Every company wants to, 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 to have as little friction as possible for us to buy things. And whether you're a business or a consumer, that's a win uh, for the companies. Great. Okay. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Walter, for those insights today. If you have any questions on the trust, please do go to the website, www.alliancetechnologytrust.com or contact one of the sales team. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>